Good morning. It's good to be with you all today. It's a beautiful day outside in the middle of July, working our way through the summer season. I don't know about you, but I have been watching a lot of baseball. Highlights on TV have been pretty fun. There's been some exciting stuff, and this weekend is the All-Star Game, so lots of cool stuff going on. But we're going to begin our service of worship today with our first hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Captivity and some of the things that happened in Jerusalem at that time. 
Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. He put someone else in charge, so he broke the line of kings. He sacked the city. And he also took slaves. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had a different idea. He didn't take slave workers. He took the cream of the crop, the elite, the strongest, the best organizers. He took them to his cities in Babylon and had them uh, use their skills. So they were not like simple servants or slaves. They were actually became leaders in their country. Now it's about 50 years later. And uh, as you might expect, uh, still warring going on. And Cyrus in Persia has kind of won the day. And so he's now in charge. And he's allowing, for example, the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. But now we have to stop and think about this a little bit. Uh, the best were taken away. They've been gone 50 years. So that means the people there are more often the children of the people who initially were taken into slavery. And they've had good positions. They're in positions of power. So not all of them were willing or interested in coming back to Jerusalem. So as Jerusalem is trying to recover, the first thing they want to do is build a temple. And they start working on it. But it's a long and hard program, and it takes time. So in Zechariah, we find prophets encouraging, scolding, coercing, encouraging people. So that's where we are today in Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. This is an encouragement, the coming ruler, in God's words. Rejoice, great O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you! Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, he will cut off the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the end of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood in my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double the word of our Lord. Our lectionary psalm comes from Psalm 145, verses 8 to 14, and we'll be reading it responsibly. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good as well, and is compassionate over all that I have made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. All your faithful shall bless you. To make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord knows all who are fallen and raises up all who are And now for our next. 
ask him or worship the king. chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh, I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then, when my mind, with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the eleventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of our Lord. I want to begin my message this morning by asking you the question, how many of you have heard the saying or the figure of speech, carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders? I, you didn't even have to raise your hand. You were nodding your head in agreement. <laughs> the saying originates with the Greek myth of Zeus cursing the Titan Atlas to carry literally the entire world on his shoulders. Maybe you've seen statues depicting this in a form of art where there's a man either kneeling or bent over with his arms behind him like this and above him is this giant sphere, of course all depicting this image of this myth. It may be impossible to pass through the journey of the human life without experiencing burdens. We all know the reality of carrying the burden of responsibility for poor choices that we've made. Some of us know the burden of caring for a loved one. Others of us know the emotional burden of grief and loss. Others know the burden of fear when faced with difficult choices regarding our health or well-being, burdens are part of being human. There are some burdens we carry which are not ours to bear. There are some we place on others which are actually ours. There are some which overwhelm, others which we feel confident we can handle, and everything in between. In our Gospel lectionary passage, which we just read in Matthew 11, Jesus says these powerful and potent words, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I have found these words to be some of the most intriguing, comforting, and simultaneously mysterious words in all of the scriptures. Sometimes I read these words and I think to myself, Yes! I will take that, sign me up, Jesus. And then I also think, but what does Jesus mean? How does this actually look? And then I also find myself asking, why in the world would I ever want to put on a yoke? It's a large wooden shoulder harness for an ox. <laughs> Jesus is clearly using this item as a metaphor for the burdens of life. And I think that's probably a fitting image as oxen wearing yoke were utilized to pull heavy loads in wagons or carts or to pull a plow behind them to break up the soil in order to plant crops. Both of those being quite intense tasks. There are a variety of types of burdens, some of which I've mentioned already, but I want to take a few minutes to describe sort of different categories of burdens that we bear. And I want to invite you, as I walk through this list, to assess your own life and the season of life you're in as I walk through and describe these different types of burdens. It may also be that you find that some of the burdens you're experiencing kind of fall into multiple categories. That's okay too. But I want to invite you to be brutally honest about whatever the burdens are that you are carrying. Don't minimize them, don't dismiss them, and don't ignore them. As I walk through and I talk about these big categories, think about the burdens that you bear. The first example or category that I thought of when it comes to burdens are physical burdens. They could be the literal aches and pains, the issues of our physical health and well-being. It could be that troublesome knee or that hip that just doesn't quite feel right, or that illness or injury that we're attempting to recover from. Physical burdens come with being physical creatures. God gave us bodies, and they're tremendous gifts, and yet they're not impervious or indestructible. We get sick, we fall and get injured, we encounter ailments and aging, the list goes on and on. So maybe today, as you were getting ready for worship to join us here in the service, you were keenly reminded of your physical burdens. Don't minimize those. Don't ignore those. They are real. Name them and notice them. These burdens bring with them a spectrum of challenges. What used to be, maybe when we were younger, simple and routine daily activities, now feel like whole mountains we have to climb. That makes life slower and it can make it a challenge. So category one, physical burdens. The next one is emotional burdens. Maybe when we encounter physical burdens, or we lose a loved one to a disease, or we face a new and scary challenge in life, we can encounter emotional burdens. Grief, anger, bitterness, sadness, worry, frustration, and there are a host of other emotions. And they come as a burden on our hearts and on our minds. These are no less potent than our physical burdens. 
Emotions are part of the human experience, and they can affect our well-being in tremendous and challenging ways. A few weeks back, I handed out uh, an emotion wheel, an example of a tool that was multicolored, and it was a circle, and it helped you to be able to articulate how you were feeling. You could use these words to describe the emotions you were having at any given time. The first step that we face with emotional burdens is simply naming how we feel. We can't hope to face them if we don't know what they are, if we don't articulate what it is that we're facing. Once we know what it is that we feel, then we can take the next step and ask, why? Why do I feel this way? What's the source of this feeling? And that, my friends, is a very powerful question. It helps us to assess the origin of the emotion, because they all have a starting point. And that's a healthy thing for us to do. So, so far, we've seen physical burdens and emotional burdens. A third category are relational burdens. Relational burdens include conflicts and strife with people in our lives, miscommunications, as well as when we get angry or impatient with other people. Relational burdens can include being a caregiver for a loved one. Relational burdens exist because we are relational creatures. We need relationship, but we're also imperfect, and we hurt one another, and we experience these relational burdens. These present us with profound challenges because sometimes our attempts to address the causes of these issues make it worse, or the other person isn't willing to work on it with us, or we aren't willing to work on it with them. Human beings are complex, <laughs> and that tends to make our relationships complex too. So maybe this morning, as I'm going through these categories, you're thinking through relationships in your life, realizing that there's places of relational burden. A fourth type of burden is spiritual burdens. A spiritual burden may be our sense of how our relationship with God is going. Maybe we feel guilt or shame about something regarding our faith or our spiritual being. Maybe we feel bad about sins we've committed, things we've done that have been wrong. Maybe we are angry at God about things that have happened in our life or grieved about unanswered prayers. There are likely many other things that would fall into the category of a spiritual burden. As spiritual beings, we also can carry spiritual burdens. So, so far, physical burdens, emotional burdens, relational burdens, and spiritual burdens. The fifth and final type that I'm going to address this morning, and my list is not comprehensive, by the way. There could be a whole other category out there that I didn't think of. But my fifth category is intellectual burdens. This is a burden where we carry a really, really big question in our minds that we don't have an answer for. And it can weigh on us. It can really weigh on us. They may be a really big theological question. It could be a big philosophical question that rattles the foundations of our beliefs and our sense of identity. Some people refer to these as existential burdens. They're real, just as all the rest of my list of burdens are real. And they can cause great angst and pain and grief. 
So this isn't a comprehensive list, but I'm giving you categories to try and ask the question of what are the burdens that you are bearing? What are those places where you feel a weight? You experience a weight. So I want to pause for a moment and invite you to sit up straight in your chair, get into a comfortable position, and I'm going to invite you to take three deep breaths at your own pace and just focus and assess your burdens. Three deep breaths, and if it helps to close your eyes, you can do that too. Just notice the burdens. Now that we've walked through such a list, taking time to name and notice our burdens, I want you to hear me read the words of Jesus one more time. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These verses take on a new light, having really sat with our own burdens, having really named and noticed our own burdens. These words always strike me as promising and as hopeful. And they begin with the phrase, come to me. Come to me, Jesus says, with your physical pain and your aches and illness. Come to me, Jesus says, with your emotional burdens of grief and loss and anger and bitterness. Come to me, Jesus says, with your relationships that are broken and your hopes for reconciliation. Come to me, Jesus says, with your spiritual burdens. They are not yours to carry. My love is here for you always. Come to me, Jesus says, with your intellectual burdens. Your questions matter. They are worth thinking about, but they are not the sum total of your identity. Jesus begins this wonderful passage with a simple invitation. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. I think that the reason this passage strikes me so deeply and often makes me pause is that it hits me at the center of my heart and spirit. It hits me in a place of deep longing and have a powerful desire. I long for rest from the burdens that I carry. And I suspect that I'm not alone. I suspect that I'm not alone. I have a sneaky suspicion that many brothers and sisters in faith share my desire for rest from the tremendous burdens that we encounter in life. 
That is the beauty of this short and powerful passage in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is near. Jesus invites us to come to him for relief, for freedom, for hope. Jesus invites us to lay down the burdens that weigh us down and to find the freedom and grace in his arms. In his arms. When I attended a retreat at a monastery in Oregon a few years ago, I came into the room where I would be staying, and as I arrived in this beautiful Benedictine monastery, on the wall in the room was this very small icon of Jesus. And on the icon of Jesus was a depiction of Jesus embracing the disciple John. And they're sitting at a table together, and John is leaning into Jesus' chest, and Jesus' arms are wrapped around John. And John is sitting there with his hands open like this, just open to receive from Jesus. It's called the icon of the beloved disciple. And when I first walked into the room, I had been traveling for most of the day to get to this monastery. I was tired, I was sort of stressed out, but I was excited for the retreat and the things I would be doing there. And so I had a mixture of emotions, but when I saw this image, it literally stopped me in my tracks. I put my bags down, and I just stood there, staring at this icon on the wall for like half an hour, because something in the image was calling out to me. And I couldn't figure it out in the moment. I just knew I was drawn to it. Something about it captured my attention. After spending some time thinking about it, I was there in this monastery for about four days, and it took me about three days to figure out what it was that was going on inside of myself. I realized that I was yearning for what John was, was experiencing. I yearned to get that embrace, to receive that grace, that beautiful, peaceful presence of just being with Jesus. And that's what this verse, what these words are, that's what Jesus was doing when he said these words, was inviting us to come to him, to find rest. That's the bedrock truth of that image, it's the bedrock truth of this passage, is that Jesus' arms are always open, always open waiting for you and me to come and exhale all the burdens to do what John did holding out his hands open like this to give them to him to entrust them to Jesus' care and so I want to leave us with just one closing invitation come to Jesus this week with all of your burdens Spend some time in prayer in your room. Take a walk through a garden. Sit in our chapel. Create space somewhere for solitude. Do it together with other people. But come to Jesus with your burdens and express them. Just speak them out. If you're not a speaker, write them down. If you're a painter, paint them. Do whatever it takes for you to get them out. And then say, here they are, Lord. I'm coming to you with these burdens. I lay them before you and I entrust them to your care. Rest there. Breathe there. Just let Jesus love you there. Amen? Amen. Amen.
We're going to continue our service with our next hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
compassion and mercy. You claim each one of us as your children. We cast our burdens upon you and take your yoke, reminded that you yearn for us to be a church that supports, steadies, and sustains when life makes us weary. Continuing. The gifts we give this day, we give in gratitude for this gift. Bless our giving and its use. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we come to our weekly time of the prayers for the congregation, uh, this aligns, this regular rhythm aligns so well with what I was talking about during the message that what we're doing corporately is bringing our burdens before God and laying them at His feet. So maybe this morning, as you gather with us in worship, you're carrying a heavy burden, something that you yourself reflected on during the message time, and you want to lift that up to God in prayer. Maybe you're carrying a burden for someone else who you love and care for, a friend, neighbor, family member, someone else who's going through some kind of challenge and you're praying earnestly for them as they go through it. Or maybe, like many of us, you're weighed down or concerned by global issues that face our planet. And so we want to lift all of these kinds of things up to God in prayer. If that's you this morning and you'd like us to pray for something like that, I invite you to indicate that by raising your hand at this time. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace, your love, your presence, your power. We thank you, Lord, that you hear every one of our prayers. As we've lifted our hands this morning, these hands represent a great variety of needs and burdens and concerns. And so we lift them up to you. We ask, Lord, for faith to trust you. With each of these things, we pray for healing where it's needed, reconciliation where it's needed, for faith, hope, and love where they are needed. We pray, Lord, that you would bless and work and touch and transform in all these different things. We thank you, Lord, that every time we pray, it's like us coming to you and you wrap your arms around us. We express to you our needs and we trust you with them and we receive your love. We receive your listening ear. We receive your presence. So thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We lift them up to you and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. And together, praying the prayer of Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now for our closing hymn, Be Thou My Vision.